Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. Um, this week, we are going to be di- discussing A Touch of Malice by Scarlett St. Clair. Um, it is the third book in a series about Hades and Persephone. Um, and just some trigger warnings, we will be um, discussing rape and sexual assault. Oh, also, it is an After Dark episode. We will be discussing sex, sex. as well. And there will probably be cursing. Yeah. Um, all right. So I am going to start with the characters and locations, and then um, Marissa will pick up with the plot. All right, so um, Persephone, she is the goddess of spring. Her mother is Demeter. Um, In this series, she is a journalist and Hades' fiance. And Hades, he's, of course, god of the dead and ruler of the underworld. He's the main male lead. Um, People automatically assume he's a jerk because of the whole god of the dead thing and dead people, but He's actually just a misunderstood billionaire, as billionaires <laughs> often are, you know. <laughs> okay. Just a misunderstood billionaire. I'm sure Jeff Bezos is very misunderstood. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so moving on, we have Demeter. Uh, she's the goddess of harvest and Persephone's mother. Um, she's really pissed off in this book because Persephone's engaged to Hades. So she's decided to freeze the upper world um, to get back at Persephone. Um, then we have Hermes. He is the messenger god and he's our comic relief of the book. He is very flamboyant and he is one of Persephone's friends in the series. We also have Apollo, the god of music. Um, He's incredibly popular with the people, but um, of course he has an edgy side, uh, which comes from accidentally killing a mortal he was in love with, he was in love with. Um, He also forces Persephone to be his friend based on a bargain they made uh, in the last book. We have Aphrodite, she's the goddess of love. In the previous book, she tries to break up and cause like discord between Hades and Persephone. But in this book, after her sister Harmonia is attacked, she turns to Persephone for help. Um, Additionally, she's married to Hephaestus, the god of blacksmiths and an inventor. Uh, We have Hecate, the goddess of magic. She lives in the underworld and attempts to teach Persephone about her magic. She's very supportive of Hades and Persephone's relationship. Uh, We have Luce. She's one of Hades' past lovers. Um, He turned her into a tree, uh, but recently turned her back into human and not a tree Um, and she ended up becoming friends with Persephone. Uh, Then we have Sybil. She's an oracle and Persephone's friend. She was previously Apollo's oracle but he fired her when she wouldn't have sex with him. Zophie, an Amazon Aegis, um, sent to protect Persephone um, who who becomes Persephone's friend. She's not great at human interaction because she grew up on like an island to learn how to fight. Um, and we have Lexa. This, uh, she's previously was Persephone's best friend. However, in the last book, she was in a bad accident. Um, she was supposed to die, but Persephone used her connection with the gods to keep her alive, which then made Lexa miserable. So she killed herself. So then when she went to the underworld, she had to drink from the river Leith and forget her life, which included forgetting Persephone. Um, Persephone visits her in the underworld while she heals, um, but obviously um, Lexa doesn't remember her. Uh, Helen, uh, a friend and co-worker of Persephone's, she's also a journalist. Pirithus, he was a demigod. Um, in the previous book, he um, sexually assaulted uh, Persephone, uh, so she killed him, which is great. Um, but now she's suffering from PTSD and nightmares because of him. Uh, then we have Theseus. He is the leader of the Triad, a rebellion group that wants to take down the gods. Um, so our locations are pretty um, simple. We have the underworld. This is where Hades and Persephone spend a lot of their time, also where the souls of the dead are. Uh, and the upper world, which is essentially the human realm, 
in this series. Okay, Marissa, would you like to pick up with our plot? I would love to. So A Touch of Malice picks up shortly after the end of the last book. Persephone is doing her thing at the news page that she started and Hades is still judging souls and torturing people in Tartarus and Demeter is still having a god-sized temper tantrum over their engagement as is evident by the mid-July unending winter storm taking place in New Athens. Also, she's missing. They don't know where Demeter is. So the book opens with Persephone waking from a nightmare where she's being sexually assaulted by Pirithus, who kidnapped her in the last book, um, on top of struggling with her uh, grief from the her best friend Lexa's death. She is suffering from PTSD after Pirithus's attack. Um, meanwhile, in the upper world, unrest grows amongst the humans as the triad a group of people who don't support the rulership of the gods over New Athens start to become more openly critical of the gods. Evidence of this unrest develops when Persephone, who has become popular amongst the news outlets because of her engagement to Hades, is attacked in a cafe. An angry woman throws hot coffee on her and calls her a lemming for being close to one of the gods. Aggressive acts against those associated with the gods become more violent when Adonis, who is one of Aphrodite's favored servants, is brutally murdered, and then Aphrodite's sister, Harmonia, a minor goddess, is attacked in a park, incapacitated, and nearly killed. Apollo is able to kill her, but she remains unconscious, and Aphrodite summons Hades and Persephone and asks Persephone to investigate these attacks. So after Persephone is attacked in the coffee shop, Hades opens up one of his office buildings for space for Persephone's news page that she runs with Luce and Helen. Helen writes an article about the triad and Persephone pushes her to investigate the group more deeply while also being cautious about publishing criticism of the gods. Helen doesn't respond well to Persephone's criticism but she does decide to investigate Triad more closely. Harmonia wakes up and is able to speak with Persephone and she explains the events surrounding her attack. She reveals that she was unable to use her powers because she was incapacitated by a net that inhibited her powers and that net bore the magical signature of Demeter, Demeter's magic, which is extremely troubling to Persephone as it means that her mother is working with triad. So things with triad amp up. Uh, Persephone meets with Helen regarding another article that she plans to publish and Helen reveals that she's been able to learn more about the group but it also seems that she's become brainwashed by some of their rhetoric and so she threatens Persephone and Persephone had she threatens Persephone uh, because of her relationship with Hades and she Persephone has Helen removed and fires her from her paper. While cleaning out Helen's office, Persephone, Sybil, Luce, and her guard Sophie find a notepad with meeting time at Club Hephrodisia, and so they, along with Hermes, go to the club, and Persephone and Hermes find the room where the meeting is being held. In the room, a triad leader has incapacitated another goddess named Tyche, who's the goddess of fortune, um, and who has been brutally beaten with her horns broken off and is about to be beheaded. Persephone starts to panic because they have to do something to help her, but then all hell breaks loose when Aphrodite appears and magically rips out the leader's heart. The triad members realize that there are gods present and uh, immediately try to attack Persephone and Hermes, and Persephone in her panic explodes thorns from her skin and kills everyone and also almost dies in the process. And so Hades takes her to one of his islands to heal, but her convalescence is cut short when they are summoned to Mount Olympus. It seems that Zeus has to give permission for the gods to marry, and he is hesitating to give permission to Hades to marry Persephone, as his relationship is the reason why Demeter is wreaking havoc on the human world. And so Persephone calls, 
Zeus out and challenges him to find Demeter if he has such a problem with her weather patterns. And it's actually really great. Meanwhile, in the underworld, Hecate and Yuri, one of the souls in the underworld, help Persephone planning her with planning her wedding to Hades. Uh, Persephone struggles with the planning. She misses her best friend uh, and is sad that Lexa is unable to help her with the planning process because she's dead and her soul is recovering in the field of Elysium. And she doesn't know that Persephone was her best friend anymore. She also feels a tremendous amount of guilt. Uh, because of what happened in the in the last book surrounding Lex's death. Um, in addition to that, Persephone also feels guilty about planning a wedding when the people in the underworld or in the upper world are starting to suffer and die in weather-related accidents because of Demeter's perpetual winter storm. And so she feels out of control of her dreams about Pirithus and the effect that it's having on her intimacy with Hades. Um, it's just, there's just a lot going on with Persephone. And so um, it's a struggle. So she's got Hecate and, and the other souls to help her plan, which ends up working out really well for her. Hecate continues to train Persephone to teach her how to access and hone her power rather than freeze when she feels anxious. And she, push, she pushes her to challenge herself to fight as well as to learn to heal herself. Um, Persephone still doesn't have great control of her magic. And when she loses control, thorns burst out of her skin and they, they harm her. But she is able to learn to heal herself. And then Hades begins to train her to fight the other god. The Panhellenic Games... Uh, which is a brutal and dangerous sporting event hosted by Apollo. They take place in the upper world and Triad stages another attack at this event, causing an explosion that results in the deaths of a lot of mortals, both innocent and Triad terrorists. Hades struggles to cope with Persephone being endangered and has been taking it out on the souls in Tartarus. Um, and... Persephone begins to embrace her savage side as well as she doles out um, punishment and torture to Pirithus, who is residing in, the, in Tartarus right now, as well as um, punishing the, the dead triad members who attacked at the Panhellenic Games. She feels conflicted about this savage side of her that enjoys torturing bad people. In the underworld, uh, she also comforts the new innocent souls who are the victims of the attack. And she finds Tyche, the goddess who was killed in the in club uh, Aphrodisia in the underworld as well. And she learns from Tyche, who used to be friends with Demeter, Persephone's mom, that uh, Demeter was raped by Poseidon and was never punished by Zeus. And so Demeter's actions and her loss of control start to make more sense to Persephone. And she develops a greater understanding for why she is doing what she, do, she is doing and would be sympathetic to a cause that would unseat the Olympians. Hades and Persephone are summoned to Olympus for a feast uh, where Zeus does actually bless their union. However, he also demands that they visit his oracle who prophesies that their marriage will produce a power greater than Zeus himself, which of course makes Zeus insecure because he has to be the, the most powerful guy ever. Um, and so he demands that if Hades and Persephone procreate, any of their progeny must be destroyed, which causes Persephone massive anxiety. Uh, Hades and Persephone return to the underworld and they get married almost immediately. The next day, it's made public that Persephone is actually a goddess. Everyone has thought she was immortal up to this point. And so she arrives at her office and finds a bloody finger a, in, that is gift-wrapped on her desk and realizes that it belongs to Sybil, Sybil. And she goes in search of her and realizes that, she, uh, that Sybil and Harmonia are missing. So 
Persephone and Hades return to her office and find Theseus, the leader of Triad, in her office. And it seems that he and Hades made a deal at some point, and Theseus has come to collect. He wants Persephone. He has Sybil, and if Persephone doesn't cooperate, Sybil is going to lose more than just a finger. So what's going to happen? Is Sybil going to die? What's going on with Demeter? What does Theseus want with Persephone? You'll have to read the book or keep listening. This is your spoiler warning. All right. So Marissa, what were your first thoughts, I guess, on this book? Um, this of the of the books from Persephone's perspective, this one was my favorite. I liked it. Um, yeah, more than the other ones, but from Persephone's perspective, what about you? Uh, what was your, what are your opening thoughts or first thoughts about this book? Um, so I agree with you in that it's the best one from Persephone's perspective. Um, I just, I still find Persephone to be kind of tiresome. My favorite, my favorite in this series remains a game of fate, which is that's the one from Hades perspective. And that just surprises me because typically when you read a book from the male character's perspective, it's like, oh, her nipples, uh, like it's, it's all like, that's it. <laughs> um, and what this author has done with his book is weave in several elements that you don't it's like really behind the scenes stuff yeah, which is great yeah it gave some great backstory it was it was definitely I love that one too that's got to be my favorite one as well um uh, uh from the series too I mean all of these books are good yeah um, they're all good but yeah Game of Fate was was great. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's just the, I don't, and I don't know if that's why I like it so much is because I was so surprised by it because it, I, it, it's so, I mean, typically when I feel like when you have books from the male's perspective, it's just pretty parallel to what happens from the female's perspective. But there's way, way more involved that we don't know about from Hades perspective or that we don't see in Persephone's books. So, yeah. I think there's supposed to be two more, one or two more from his perspective. I look forward to reading those. I do too. I think they'll be great. So something that I like about this book is that we have penetration in the first 30 pages. Mm -hmm. I can get behind that or in front of or on top of it or I mean, just anywhere. I'm all about that. I appreciate that in the book. You know where you're going when you start with penetration. Um, I really liked the blowjob scenes. And there were so many, there was so much sex in this book, like just lot. so much, which is, I mean, I don't have, I, I certainly don't have a problem with that. I very much embrace that. Uh, but yeah, the blowjob scenes were really great. Mm -hmm. There's that one in is, I think it's, a, it's either in his or her office. Yes. That one was oh fantastic. My when, um, what I don't even remember her name, but when his like Ivy, his secretary, yes, and he's like, yeah. First, she's like, "Why are you sitting down? Like, <laughs> you not use your chair?" I know. I know, and he's like, "I'm working," and she's like, "But you don't have anything on your desk. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> Take a hint, Ivy. Yes, it's so great." And she keeps going, like Persephone doesn't stop. Yes. She continues through this exchange. But she, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, give the girl a hand clap for that. It's really great. The, those scenes were actually really spectacular. Um, I, I really liked it. There were a, a few times. So uh, I think it's, this is, this is what I think. Oh, when it comes to sex scenes, I want it to be like Amelia Hutchins style. If the if the book is going to have this much sex in it, I want there to be like a telescoping dick. Like I want it needs to be like so, so, so descriptive. If we're going to put this, this much sex in a book, like what uh, Amelia Hutchins does in her books. And 
I mean, there's a lot of sex, but I, I just found myself wanting like more, not necessarily sex, just like more description. Right. I understand and, that. Yeah. And like a magically growing penis. That's always, that's always a plus. It is. Always a plus. The telescoping feature. Oh, and Hades is like freaking daddy. Oh, daddy. oh yes. yes. Oof. Um, I have some quotes, I think. Oh, so do you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, what have, we definitely had some quotes in the other books from like just all the words that come out of Hades' mouth. They're just, mouth, mouth. They're just so, so heavens. It's, it's steamy. Mm-hmm. He was fanning myself. Whew. Darling, yes, every yeah. time I fuck you, it's a fantasy. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> great. Say that. That was great. What, he says something at one point. He's like, my cock is heavy for you. I'm like, oh, okay. That's super hot too. I feel like if a person said this to me in real life, though, I'd be like, hmm. I don't yeah. think I would respond as favorably if a god wasn't saying this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I uh, there was something he said too about like come as well, and that's again something that's not like if yeah. somebody had said that to me in real life, I would be like, we're gonna just take a time out. His bodily fluids freak this. us out. Yeah, but in this book, I don't remember what it was that he said. But it was it was hot. Oh, I wish I had. Yeah. That. I wish I had highlighted yes. that. In books, it's okay. In real life, I'm like, mm. <laughs> pass. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make us hypocrites? I mean, sometimes things are just better in like in books, books and in, in real life. Like aggressive penetration. It's okay in fantasy novels. In real life, mm. especially aggressive anal penetration, it's always bad. I know we've talked about how like they don't communicate super well, but I do think their communication has improved some from the last book to this book and even the first book. So that's a good progression for a relationship. And I like that. Yes. Um, I know that you don't, you still feel frustrated by their communication. And obviously they're not, they they haven't worked it all out as evident by, well, like in the second chapter. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's evidence immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Say what you want to say. No, I, I feel like, yes, there's been some like improvements, I suppose, but still, I just, it's still really frustrating to me when, especially now, like, she's like, Hades has, like, a reason not to tell me or stuff. And I'm like, what? She said that at some point. And I was like, what happened here? Like, what happened in our last book? You wanted to know what was going on. And then that stupid never have I ever. Yeah. It's like Persephone. No. She, so, but, so, yes. The, the never have I ever game. She got frustrated because, and she, but she, here's what I like. So they play that game and obviously Hades is a bajillion years old. So he's had sex, you know, everywhere. And, all and a lot types. of it. Yeah. And all yeah. different types and with multiple partners. And he's, I mean, he's been around for a long time. He's, He's been, he's been around and Persephone in her mind is like, I'm not going to get jealous or petty. Like, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to, because I know that he, and we talked about this and I can't get mad at him. Well, I'm going to try not to get mad at him for things that he's done in his past. And then, you know, he's had sex everywhere mm-hmm. and with a lot of people and she starts to get bothered by it. <sighs> And I like that she's able to, I don't know, like they, they talk about it later and she's like, I didn't, I, 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 I understand that you've been around forever and you've done lots of things, but it still is bothersome to me 
to have because it's almost like it's being thrown in her face at that point it's like nothing good ever came from playing never have i ever or uh spin the bottle (laughs) (laughs) these things always turn out badly in books so yes i was just so frustrated because she then resorted back to being like really petty and she takes a drink when it was like never have i ever had to fake an orgasm and she drinks Mm -hmm. and hades is like excuse me yeah um but it's just yeah i was like come on Bro, no, I mean, I just I think that her reaction is a pretty human reaction. Yes, but it was just then her then she got really petty with it, and it's like, yes, come on, and then just then they almost have sex in the bathroom. Yeah, I think uh, what she tells, yeah, she tells Hades like it's rude to have sex in the bathroom in your friend's bathroom. Hermes also says this to you. He says, like, it's rude to have sex. Is it? Is it rude to have sex in your friend's bathroom? I mean, I wouldn't particularly like it if somebody had sex in my bathroom while I was having a party, but I'd be like, well, but I only have one bathroom. I guess etiquette wise, so, it is pretty. Yeah. Rude. If you had two bathrooms know. or even three, I'll, you know what? I can de- designate one. This can be the, the sex the bathroom. Sex bathroom. <laughs> if you need to have sex in the bathroom, it's this one. Select this one. <laughs> Here are some Clorox wipes. You some can. condoms in the drawer. Yes. When you're finished, please wipe down the countertop. Yep. Be considerate. Yes. I think if you're going to have bathroom sex at your friend's house and there's only one bathroom, it is rude. If there's two bathrooms, you should clean up after yourself, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Etiquette. Yep. Um, when that lady in the cafe pours coffee on Persephone, like I was and and oh, I was just so I was so bothered by that because it reminded me of the woman who was burned by the McDonald's coffee. Yep. And the, like the entire nation made fun of this lady. It was awful. And she suffered like second and third degree burns from it. Yeah. In her, like in her lap too. Like that's yeah, awful. Like, and then like all she wanted was for them to pay her medical bills. Right. She wasn't even asking for like anything above that. And like people made fun of her and that's so ridiculous. Like, oh, here's some, here's some more things that, that Hades says. He, uh, at the Sybil's party, mm-hmm. Ben is giving him a hard time about how he drinks his whiskey. And he says something about how all whiskey drinkers add water to their drinks or what, or to their whiskey. And Haiti says, I add the blood of mortals. Like, oh, yes, daddy. <laughs> also, I have never heard of adding water to whiskey. Though. I don't drink whiskey. I couldn't say. I know, like... Whiskey drinkers. I know a bunch of whiskey drinkers. Apparently, none of them are drinking whiskey right. Like, I've never, ever heard that. You don't go to a restaurant and, or any, like, you, like, go to a fancy restaurant. They're not going to water down your whiskey. Like, that's what's happening. Why would you put water in your whiskey? Why would you? I don't know. I'm not a whiskey drinker. Why? I don't. Like, it would take away the flavor, wouldn't it? I don't know. I don't drink whiskey. I'm just thinking in general. Whiskey drinkers. How do you take it? Do you put ice in it? I don't know. On the rocks. My friend Noah was over last night water. drinking bourbon just out of a glass without water. So he doesn't add water. I've never known it. I don't know. I've never, ever heard of that before. This is your time to chime in. It's been just a dickhead giving Hades a hard time. Do you add the blood of mortals to your whiskey? We want to know. Hades also says, before you, I only knew loneliness. Even in a room full of people, it was an ache, sharp and cold and constant, and I was desperate to fill it. And now I ache to fill you. Oh, oh, it's so sweet and sexy. Yup. Yes, Hades. Yeah. Hades, like his dialogue was, was so just, good. It's, yes. Uh, it's probably one of the best parts of this book. Oh, I love it. Like his words. Yes. Ooh. 
you know, for somebody who's like never experienced, I guess he's been around for like a jillion years. So, but he's never says he's never experienced love before or anything. Certain he's certainly very good at putting his feelings into words. Yeah. This case anyway, when he's in um, other cases, he cannot. But yeah, figured this one out so good. Yeah. I love, so they play Egyptian rat screw, right? And they <laughs> played for, which was cute, but they played for like a fantasy, right? Yeah. And so he chose like hide and seek to play hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cute. But also I love that it was this like a parallel and kind of um, to the original like Hades and Persephone story where he sees her frolicking in a field mm-hmm. and is like, mine and (laughs) because like because that's what it's like uh the description of it she's like jumping in between like fields and flowers and stuff you know Mm -hmm. she's just like frolicking in this field in the underworld and um i thought it was just a really good like kind of throwback to the original myth the original myth yeah that's i didn't think about that but that is that is a really good point I just thought it was so like it was so cute I just I died reading that he gets really competitive with this game he's like what is this called I just loved it it's so adorable and also like the chase that's super hot like that's really good foreplay yeah well because he says this is also one of my quotes I highlighted my fantasy is the chase yeah I mean, and that's great. You know, I feel like when it comes to things like penetration, there's this really, like, that's, that's the, the big thing when it comes to sex is like penetration, but not everyone enjoys penetration and the buildup to that can be just as hot, if not harder than like the actual penetrated part. So, and that's what this is like the excitement, the chase, the anticipation. It's great. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird. And I think, and I, I really love seeing it because the book is really serious, you know, mm-hmm. it addresses a lot of really rough topics. And right. this, this was such a good moment for them, you know, like a lighthearted moment. And then it ends with like, I think she's on the throne, right? And like, yeah. starts giving him orders to take off his clothes. Yeah, that was hot too. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a really good scene. Yeah, it was a great scene. Yeah. I like, you have a point about this, but so do I. So I'm going to say it. They check in with each other all the time. The are you well, mm-hmm. which on one hand, reading it is super annoying sometimes, like every other page. It's like, are you well? Are you well? And I'm like, oh my God, stop asking. But this is the thing that like, first off, it's really important. Like ongoing consent is super important. And I realized I freaking do it. And I was like, oh my God, am I really annoying? Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I do it like for you know during sex I'm always like is this okay I always check in and I don't you know yeah and I'm like, That's I, wonder, great. I wonder if it's really annoying but ongoing consent is so important so important so yeah. important I love that they ask each other are you well a lot mm-hmm. I think it's very considerate the way that they check in with each other not just during sex but just in general I think it's super sweet you know, and that's one way that, I mean, we've talked about how they need to talk to each other. That's one way to facilitate communication. And I feel like Persephone is a lot more open in this book with her feelings and things than she has been in the past books. So I love, I love the, just the check-in that they have with each other. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the trauma that Persephone experienced because of Pirithus that that is especially important to have those check-ins and that that conversation about is this okay are you okay things like that Uh, I think that that's represented and done really well in this book and it is super important always fantasy world and real world consent matters um so that one scene that they try where they try some bondage and um, Persephone has a panic attack mm-hmm. felt so bad for her. She has this, like horrible flashback, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but this is one of the instances where they didn't like totally communicate about it. Like 
she didn't kind of tell him her worries and then so it all happens and she like freaks out obviously obviously she like freaks out and Hades is like oh my god I didn't know why I didn't like I didn't know and he's really upset yeah and I was like that I think that was one of those instances where like better communication would have been really helpful because she was like I don't want to say anything but obviously like that's you know understandable because this is something that he wants to do that she wants to do as well you know she yeah that's what she requested yeah like so she wants to do it so you know not saying anything I understand but then it escalated and stuff and I feel I feel so bad for both of them in that situation yeah I kind of got the sense when I was reading that that she wasn't totally at a point where she could tell him like communicate what she was feeling right because I was reading it and I was like what just what happened I I was it was like I don't know uh yeah I mean when I was reading it I was confused for a second because I was like what is what is happening is she dreaming again but she wasn't and so the way I interpreted it it is that she wasn't able to communicate how she was feeling to Hades at that point yeah well she thought that just like breathing through it you know and reminding herself that it was Hades would be okay and that didn't work um and so she yeah she I I don't think she expected it either because obviously it was something that she requested you know so I don't think she expected um such a I guess visceral reaction to it um but I I was when she requested that I was like this is not gonna this isn't gonna go well I feel like considering she keeps having dreams of being like tied up I was like this might not this might not go well but then they try again he's got those special yes those like truth those truth uh handcuff things yeah Yeah. and it it goes much better also a super hot scene yes that that scene was was super hot I I mean it obviously way more successful this time mm-hmm. um i think probably more empowering to her because she can she can make the restraints go like eat leave at any time so she's got that element of control in the situation which is helpful and they mm-hmm. they you know have their their um communication during the scene which is great too uh, but I, what I really love, what I think adds like another little element of spice to this is that it gets like they get so wound up that H- Hades is the one to like say the word that releases the restraints mm-hmm. and gives Persephone, I guess, a little bit more control over what they're doing too. So it's yeah. nice. So I. I'm frustrated with Persephone. Okay. With this. Why do you um, feel that way? Because so her visits kind of stress Lexa out and Lexa's healing, right? But she kind mm-hmm. of stresses Lexa out. And Thanatos is like, leave. Like he has to be the one to be like, leave. Um, and I feel like Persephone's still in denial that her friend isn't like there anymore and I'm sure that it's really tough and everything but I just I want like her to give Lexa space too I just there's something about that that made me uncomfortable that she keeps visiting her you know Mm -hmm. like she's confusing her like yes she's being a friend but she's also confusing her and she's trying to heal and everything yeah I just I was frustrated I think some of that's related to the guilt that she feels about Lex's death, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you know what made me so mad? Jason, Lex's boyfriend (gasps) from the last book. I know, that asshole. What? He was like, if you had done it right the first time. What? You can't. Oh, what a dick. I was so glad when he died. Yeah. I was so glad. So that, when he turns up in the club, right? And mm-hmm. Persephone does like this porcupine thing that kills everybody. It was so great. Yeah. Ah, yeah, Jason sucks. I love that uh, Persephone has got such a good friendship with Hecate that they've got such a great 
I, I love Hecate's character. She remains one of my favorite characters in this series. She's so supportive. She's so kind to Persephone, but at the same time is willing to challenge her in her thinking, in her practice of her magic, in her uh, actions with even Hades and her mom. She's a good friend. She's supportive, but also she pushes Persephone. And I like that. You know, a good friend will will build you up, but also if you're doing stuff and that's questionable, they'll question you, ask you, you know, make you question why you're doing things maybe. So I love that. I also like that she's like, I can make you hate that we were ever friends too. And she's teaching her to heal herself and she like, gets her to stab or repeatedly stabs her in the hand yes <laughs> that's a hell of a training exercise <laughs> could you imagine and no I could not stab myself in the hand but it worked it was a training exercise yeah. um yeah I'm a huge fan of Hecate too I wish that Persephone utilized her more to mm. learn her magic that was one of the things I was frustrated about with Persephone because she'd be like I have to learn my magic oh like I have to do it immediately and then it would be like one week later <laughs> and then she goes to see Hecate for like an hour of training I'm like come on um oh but the scene with um Hades training her and she gets so mad at him oh that was a good scene too it was that was a great scene yeah I, yeah she is i feel like that's a, another example where we see uh i don't know i guess i got a little bit frustrated with persephone too because it's like and I, I think it's more just related to um you know never having battled before being so mm -hmm. young because hades attacks and doesn't stop She's like, well, I don't, I don't know what kind of magic you're going to use. And I don't know what's going to, it's like, you're not, you're not going to have time to stop and prepare. And you're not, you're not going to know what they're going to throw at you. So she gets frustrated, but, and then he has the ability to manipulate her fears, I guess. And that's what really pushes her over the edge. But up to that point, I think he's doing a really good job. I, like he does a good job with the training exercise. She just, uh, struggles because she's never she's never had to fight a god before not really so should we talk about the god fight yeah sure boy that was epic <laughs> that was avengers <laughs> civil war yeah it was so great <laughs> so that made me think of avengers civil war nice mm -hmm. yeah so i really liked that scene zeus is just a dirtbag oh yeah like the worst of man what's that one like meme or something it was just like the biggest lie that disney ever told us was that zeus was a nice father figure or something yeah, like that loving family man <laughs> yes oh. that's what it was loving family man <laughs> complete yeah. opposite yes not at all super insecure mm -hmm. about persephone um and I just, that, that fight is so outstanding. First of all, I love that Apollo. So we knew Hermes would be on Persephone's side because they're friends. But I love that Apollo is like, she did this thing for me. We're doing this. Um, and Aphrodite is supportive and Hephaestus. And is there someone else? Oh, and Hades, obviously. Um, it, yeah, I, it was so great. And I love how uh, Zeus strikes her with his lightning and he's like, ha ha, I got you. You're going to be dead. And she's like, oh, I'm being struck by lightning. Oh, wait, I can do something with this. <laughs> and she lightning bolts him back. Die, sucker. It's so great. Yep. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um. It was a good scene. Um, I love that she embraces a little bit more of her savage side. I I like that she, um, yeah, gosh, when she starts this series, I feel like she's so ignorant because 
because of her mother, because she's been kept in a greenhouse for the last 20 something years, she's just really ignorant to the ways of, I mean, to I, even just understanding why the gods do some of the things that they do. Um, I know a lot of the gods are, good, you know, garbage and they are cruel. Zeus, Poseidon, they're terrible. Um, Aphrodite, I mean, a, a lot of them, they, they're just very selfish, selfish in the ways that that, but Persephone, especially in the way that she interacts with Hades in the beginning is very close-minded to understanding why he might act the way that he does. And I think in this book, we start to see more of that, her behaving similar to the way that Hades interacts with other people because she's been exposed to some of the ways that the gods are treated at this point always asking for things so i like that she embraces um embraces some of her savage side in this book even though she feels weird about it with torturing pirithus and uh dealing out the punishment for the triad terrorists that attacked at the panhellenic games and in contrast to that we still see her soft side where she is compassionate for the new souls that come into the underworld and greets them and consoles them like that one lady um that uh shows up in the fields of asphodel i think and she's concerned because she was her mother's caretaker and now she's dead and there's someone to take care of her mom and persephone's like i'll figure it out i'll do something to make sure that she's okay and even with the the father and the daughter that turn up at the gates to the underworld like that she approaches um she approaches the innocent souls with compassion and kindness and i i, I think that that's going to be an important trait for maybe the queen of the underworld being able to deal out um torture i guess or punishment and balancing it with kindness and compassion for those that are deserving so this book deals with a lot of heavy themes one of them being trauma um there were a lot of times in this book where i, I thought wow this is kind of reflective of real life when Stephanie or Stephanie when Persephone feels like her trauma isn't valid because other people have it worse Hecate tells her that you can't compare trauma and that's so true and it's hard not it's hard not to when something bad happens to you it's hard not to be like well other people have it worse but I feel like that's I like that uh, Hecate validates her feelings in this book I mean and, and you can't you can't compare trauma everybody experiences different things and they experience different things differently um there are several or a few people experience sexual trauma in this book one of them is that woman who threw the coffee on persephone she was raped by zeus um, and then we find out that hecate's ma or not hecate uh persephone's mom demeter was raped by poseidon and zeus never took any action to punish him now hecate castrates zeus which i think is fantastic yes um, but the, there's sexual trauma experienced by several people um and there's no consequences and that just uh, this week in particular really struck in light of uh, bill cosby being released from jail after like 50 women came forward with claims of sexual harassment or abuse from him mm -hmm. um I think also one of the parallels with that is that you can't trust like a justice system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically like um, the gods aren't really going to regulate themselves. I mean, Hecate, Hecate and Hades, you know, they, some of them certainly try, but you know, who's going to, uh, other than that, nobody else is going to confront Zeus. Right. Um, and definitely in massive parallel to our system. I mean, you know what happened with bill cosby happens a lot like yes you know um it reminds me of like <laughs> um 
when something happens like internally um like with the police and they're they're like we did an internal investigation and it's like let me guess okay and nothing was wrong right Right. it's like we've investigated ourselves and found that we've done nothing wrong (laughs) that's what this is that's what this kind of reminds me of with uh the gods in this book yeah Uh, Persephone gets kidnapped by Theseus. Kidnapped. So here's the thing about this bargain. Uh, so this is where Hades kind of fails to communicate a little bit. There's a bargain, apparently. Hades and per- Hades made a bargain with Theseus, which is something that you read about in a game of fate. Uh, but he doesn't tell Persephone about it. And so Theseus shows up to her office and is like, I've come to collect on my bargain, Hades. I want Persephone. I don't, how do you bargain for another person who's their own, like, how is it, how is it Hades' place to use Persephone as a bargaining chip? I mean, right, we're talking about, I guess, men and the Greek gods and um, that seeing women as property yeah um so that's basically where that comes from i think anyway anyway theseus mentions that hera has been one of triad like the longest ally or one of the allies for the triad for like a long time like one of their original olympic god allies which i find really interesting um we we don't know much about hera in this series we haven't seen her character very much uh but based on how Hera acts in you know like Greek mythology I find it surprising that she would side and this may be part of a myth that I'm not remembering it's possible um with demigods that are Zeus's progeny so it makes me wonder if there's an ulterior motive I don't did you ever watch the blood of Zeus no yeah so in the blood of zeus uh hera conspires to um bring down zeus basically so it makes me wonder if she's making like a power play getting the triad to do the heavy lifting so she can usurp whatever power they obtain maybe yeah i wonder if she's also like kind of walking them into a trap because they're Zeus's like offspring yeah. a lot of them and that's proof of his infidelity mm-hmm. and she doesn't like that and she's also like part of her thing is like the goddess of marriage isn't she yeah yeah so she can't be a, she can't be a fan of that right of what he's doing so there's definitely some ulterior motive going on obviously um maybe she's just trying to kill all of Zeus's children maybe can't throw all of them off a mountain so get them to kill themselves because it is like a suicide mission to try to attack the gods i mean we saw it in uh when which one calls getting her horn sawed off right Mm -hmm. um like trying to take on multiple gods is not going to go well like persephone was there just killed them all like aphrodite showed up killed them all the attack happens at the the games, right? Mm-hmm. All dead, like 120 some odd humans, like dead really quickly. Like, come on. Just why are you trying to, this is not the way to do it. Um, and then there are these two really great um, scenes and descriptions that um, Scarlett St. Clair does in this book that I really love. So the first one, um that we see is so people entering the underworld and there's this tree and these balls of lights and Persephone asks about it and is told that these are where like people can't cross into the underworld unless they let go of their um uh their dreams um and that's what those lights are and it was like first of all so it's one of my favorite descriptions in this book. It sounds really pretty, but it also sounds like so sad. Right. You know? And also kind of frustrating because 
Okay, so when you enter, you kind of have to leave behind hopes and dreams, but then you also can keep your trauma in some cases. Yeah. So it's sort of like, oh, what is that, that parallel and that difference is there, but I loved that. Yeah. Um, and then the other uh, scene and description that I really liked in this, um, I don't know if it is something that like she came up with or if this is something in the mythology that I don't know about, but um, like a field of poppies or poppies being around mm-hmm. um, that the uh, poppies are the souls that have either chosen to move on completely um, or were forced to move on again. Um, and it's, again, I think it's like a beautiful scene and also really sad, you know, um, if they choose to move on, that's great. Or yeah, um, choose to move on to finding like complete peace and they turn into a poppy. But if there's like, it's also really sad if, I guess maybe if their soul is shattered, that's what they end up being a poppy. And in the book, it says something about like what poppies represent. Okay, so Wikipedia says this about poppies. Poppies have long been used as a symbol of sleep, peace, and death. Sleep because the opium extracted from them is a um, sedative, and death because of the common um, blood red color of the poppy in particular. Poppies um, are used as emblems on tombstones to symbolize eternal sleep. Um, All right, quotable quotes then. So I'm going to go first because mine is kind of depressing. so it's kind of, it happens when Thanatos is telling um, her about the poppies. Um, he says about souls, sometimes they do not get to choose. Sometimes they come to us so broken to continue would be torture. This reminds me of, this is so sad. And so, but um, like chronic depression. So there is an instance um back in 2018 in the Netherlands where assisted suicide is legal. Um, A woman had severe depression and she said, I suffer unbearably and hopelessly. Every breath is torture. Um, And that it was too difficult to keep living. And doctors were like, okay, this is like, we can approve your death essentially. because it's worse, I guess, for you to keep living, right? You know, and that's what that made me think of with the poppies and with Thanatos saying to continue would be torture. Anyway, super sad and super depressing, yeah. but I just thought it was. That is good. That's a good quote. Yeah. Way, to, way to make it sad, Vicki. Well, yours isn't sad, so go ahead. Okay. I, I do like your quote, though. I think physician-assisted suicide is really interesting. And this this does make me wonder uh, a little bit about uh, Adonis's death. So yes. he gets turned. He he becomes one of the poppies in the field. We don't we don't learn. There's not a whole lot of description about his death, but it does make me wonder what type of brutality he experienced at that ended his life. That. Um, caused him to be so broken that he continuing would be torture. Very curious about that. Yeah. So my quote is from Persephone. She says it to Theseus. She says, so he makes a comment about how Hades has already promised to torture him in Tartarus. And she says, oh, I will not torture you when you die. I will torture you while you live. Uh, Persephone is way more savage in this book. And I love it. I can't wait to see where it goes. I hope she, like, loses her shit. Yeah, yeah. That brings me into my final thoughts, which is I hope that Persephone rips Theseus apart. I can't wait to see where this is going to go. Same. Um... Yeah, so my final thoughts of the book, uh, of the books from Persephone's perspective, this is my favorite. Um, I hope to see more growth in her in the next book um, as well. And 
Yeah, I'm really curious to see how this is all going to play out, especially with Hades being um, kidnapped. It's going to be interesting. And then Theseus letting loose the Titans. And I'm actually super excited to see. We never see the Titans. Like, yeah. we see them, les- like, off to the side as, like, being contained in the underworld, you know, and uh, Tartarus and stuff. But we've never seen them. Um, in any, I don't think in any of the books I've read anyway I have not seen the Titans come out um, so I'm, I'm psyched for that yeah should be good yep alrighty well that wraps up A Touch of Malice by Sar- Scarlet St. Clair uh, next week we'll pick back up with Queen of Shadows the fourth book in the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Mass did a little intermission with this book here in our coverage of Throne of Glass. So we'll pick back up with Queen of Shadows. And we hope you join us. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.